Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey guys, it's Gwen, and you're listening to Glam Squad Confidential. And of course, I am here, sort of in the studio, virtually, of course, but with my main man on the mic, Mr. Travis Cronin. Oh, hi, Gwen. So lovely to be here in this confidential room. I mean, Trav, what has your week been like? It's been very Um, strange in terms of weather. It's like it's hot, it's cold. You don't know what to wear. It's been strange, but it's very like normal feeling because it's award season and I had to sign up and do all the Grammy stuff today. I'm going to be in the virtual press room. I feel like we were just talking about the Globes. So I'm feeling very normal in terms of covering award shows. I'm really excited that there's a virtual press room for Grammys. I'm really, really excited for the Grammys because, you know, award season, as we've discussed 800 times over, I'm sure our listeners are getting sick of hearing me say that. But for me, it's like my Super Bowl. It's like my favorite time of the year. It's the biggest, the best, the greatest. But like, what is more fun than the Grammys? It's like red carpet, but make it freaking wild and cool and unexpected. Oh, Gwen, you know, that's my favorite type of red carpet is VMAs, Grammys, where it's like really expensive, like street fashion studs, slutty if you want to be like it can do wear anything if you anything you want. I love a no rules carpet. I agree with you. And, you know, we have a very, very special guest today because, you know, when I think of this guest, I always Mm -hmm. think of red carpet, fashion, and no rules. And sometimes maybe a a little slutty if she wants to be, too. And a lot of rings. And a lot of rings. A lot of rings. And even better than rings are are the shoes. Like, I can't wait to talk to this guest about, like, how her footwear game changed through the pandemic because she is someone that always wore like a bomb shoe, a shoe that had a heel, no less than four inches. I'd say even going up to six, she was the one who taught me about platform, double platform, and even that elusive Christian Louboutin Uh, triple platform. Of course. The daffodil pump. Exactly. Exactly. I am talking about the legend of style, the legend of celebrity style, the style director of CBS Watch Magazine, and a former style director of Us Weekly, 
Miss Sasha Charn and Morrison. There's nobody like her. Hi, Sasha. Hi. Oh my God. What an intro. (laughs) You know, she's good at that. You deserve nothing but to go on and on and on the same way that you and I did at many a celebrity shoot (laughs) when we couldn't stop talking about the talent off to the side. I still, I call you Yoda. I call you Yoda for many reasons. But, you know, most of all, because there is nobody who is more well-versed in, you know, the art and the whole process behind what it goes into to get a celebrity dressed for a high-end editorial shoot or for the red carpet. I mean, am I right? Yes. You are very sweet <laughs> and kind about that. You spent <laughs> so many hours at, what, 5 a.m.? Well, you actually, Gwen, you stayed overnight. I sure the did. Office and reported on the stuff and the stuff had to be out the door by like 10 a.m. to get Oscars. Printed. That's how I met Travis. You know, this was like really when Travis and I bonded because you guys, listeners, if you haven't heard this story yet, and you probably haven't, because I don't know if we even told this story, Travis. I don't think so. You know, many, many moons ago, (laughs) Travis Cronin was a bright eyed young red carpet reporter who was like a stringer for Us Weekly magazine. And we would have him as a freelancer on the red carpet. You know, he would be the guy who would like get the mics into the faces of the celebrities and ask them whatever questions he needed to ask them for whatever stories we were working on. Yeah, my Joan Rivers on. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, these files would come back from events and there would be like these extensive beauty secrets that somehow this random stringer would get these details out of these celebrities that finally I was like, who is this Travis Cronin? Like, I remember once it was a, I don't even know what the red carpet was for, but you got, what was her name? Sarah something. She was on the very short lived, maybe oh, like five six, six, six Park with Vanessa Williams. <laughs> and it was six, Rebecca six, six, Taylor. Central Park West. Six, yes. six, six, Central Park West. And it was seriously like oh I did a God. spread story about this celebrity's yeah. like how she does her own makeup because you got all of these details out of her. Like 12 and- products on her face. I was like, <laughs> this is my kind of girl. I was like, you have 12 to 17 products lined up. Wow. I mean, you'd That's like read the transcript. Story. Yeah, you'd read the transcript and it would be like us reporter. So what um, contour are you wearing? Because your cheeks look hot. And this celebrity was like, oh, you know, I use NARS Malibu, Us Weekly reporter. I use that. I use that all the time. And then I'll layer it with Copacabana to get that bling. And the celebrity would be like, I use Copacabana too. And then I add Uh, blah, blah, blah. And then I add blah, blah, blah. And I use this eyeshadow. And the reporter would be like, and I line my tight lines with blah, blah, blah. And the so then we hired Travis. So trusting. I mean, I remember when I met you, we were on the carpet with Avril Lavigne. Yes. And you needed to get my kids in to meet her. Yes. Kylie Jenner. It was different at the time. <laughs> Kylie Jenner remember? without the lips, yeah, walking in Avril Lavigne's fashion show. Right. Which is actually when I preferred her because she was such a it's like an oddball but i loved her weirdo rocker I, chick yeah yeah but that's yeah. when i met you and i remember that you just because people just trusted you know that whatever they were telling you they felt in good hands and that yeah. th- and that's everything right 
Yeah, it was so good meeting you that we'd never seen your kid. You had your sons there. We got them back to meet Avril Lavigne and Leslie Sloan, high powered publicist (laughs) to the stars was also there. And I got her kids backstage and I had to sit with Kendall Jenner that day for 11 minutes. And it was some of the most boring time of my life. (laughs) A 16 year old Kendall Jenner did not have much to say. (laughs) So then we hired to say. (laughs) <laughs> we hired Trav to come in and be one of um, my reporters for Oscar night who would report right. right with the makeup artists and hairstylists, like what the celebrities were wearing overnight, literally. So right. Travis would be in like a unicorn onesie right. on the phone with the top tier hairstylists and makeup artists in Hollywood, wow. getting all the details. And like, then we had to hire him full time because it was crazy. Of course. And Oscar's imagine- night was wild. Imagine if you had had Instagram or whatever at that time, right? Yeah. Well, we would have been bigger Instagram stars. I mean, you know, you really just did the job of the entire platform. (laughs) Still try to. (laughs) (laughs) All the content. (laughs) Yes. All the content and more. So, Sash. What was your thoughts? What have your thoughts always been on how the Grammys are set apart from the other red carpet shows? You know, I mean, of course, it's going to be different this year. And there's so much of it that, you know, is so, I don't know, lacking. It feels like it's, it's, it's a, it's a time that's kind of passed, but I always feel, um, really, uh, I guess, energized with the Grammys, with the musicians, because in the end, they really are the risk takers. They're the ones that want to, they don't care about a bad look going viral. They, there is so much um, that they put themselves, they, they put themselves out there anyway, with so much raw, you know, their lyrics and whatnot. And, and so um, I, always look forward to this because of the fact that it's way over the top and they're not safe and they want to, you know, just be remembered for this, you know, shining moment, regardless of what the outcome is going to be, how it's going to be presented. Um, But I, I have a tendency to remember more looks about, uh, you know, musicians and artists at the Grammys than I do about red carpet moments from the Oscars, the Golden Globes, SAGs, um, whatever else there is. I, I, so I always look forward to it. I do too. Right? Are you looking forward to any particular people for this year? Well, always Dua Lipa now, right? Because yeah. oh, she, she's the one, right? Okay. Uh, is the one because mm-hmm. she's got a great stylist and it, of course it escapes me who it is, but she wears the clothes. She's very tall. She's very cool. She's just cool. She started out and, as a model. Right. So there is that, you know, but I'm looking forward to everyone. I am looking forward to Harry Styles. I was just going to ask about Harry and and your feelings, because I'm like, I'm so super obsessed with Harry on every freaking level. Every level. I I love his gender bending style. Like I love that. Yeah. So what, what do you think about, you know, it's so different to me when he wears Gucci versus when like Jared Leto wears Gucci, when Jared Leto wears Gucci, it feels a little bit performative to me. Right. Right. But with Harry, it's just like, well, there's the difference right there. I mean, you know, Jared, even though he's a musician as well, he's really an actor, right. An Academy award winning actor might point out. Um, 
But there's something about Harry Styles that just sets me over the edge and makes me completely crazy. Like if we were still in the office, I would be screaming about Harry Styles every moment. I don't think I would be able to stop talking about Harry Styles. And A, okay, One Direction set me over the edge. So I was always a fan because the boy bands are, you know, always up there with me. Um, And then just to be able to, you know, branch out and be his own person. And, you know, again, it's like he has this thing where he's very raw. He's very open. He's very talented. He's very, he wears the clothes well. He works with the most amazing people. I love listening to him sing. I love Harry. He's changing fashion. He's one of the only people who's actually changing and moving the culture forward in terms of dressing. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I loved the Vogue cover. I don't know why everybody got so upset about it. I loved it. Silly. And yeah, I mean, I just feel like this guy, he's so talented and he's so good looking. And isn't that nice? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it is so interesting because he really is a talented musician on every level from writing to performing to that persona that, you know, yes. like rock stars used to create and they just stopped, you know, it became about like boy band styling. And, you know, so yeah. it's kind of so great to see that individuality. Yeah. And I love his connection to Gucci and that, you know, it really feels, it just feels right. It feels organic and authentic, authentic. And I just feel like I, I love that. You know who else I love? Can I talk about other people that are going to be there? You can talk Please. about everybody. Okay, can we talk about <laughs> Megan the Stallion? Oh my yes. god, I love Megan the Stallion. Love Wait, Yoda, did you see the Calvin Klein campaign? I'm yes. so into her. I love her. Yes. yes. And I also love, see, a lot of people, okay, we're very upset about her recent Harper's Bazaar cover. Why? Why? Her fans, her fans. Because they felt like you know, they hated the team. They hated what they put her in. They hated they hated everything. They just hated the fact that she wasn't being who they thought she was. Right. Mm-hmm. right? So what does that mean? It just means that, you know, and we know that when you photograph a celebrity, the celebrities that are as hot as she is have approval of their image. Of the publicists make sure that they're comfortable with whatever they're doing. And I think that she did something different. You know, she did something that was for Harper's Bazaar, which was probably going to land her, which it did a big contract, which you hope will happen. And she was turning a new leaf. She was very, you know, she was in Valentino. She was in Dior. She was in Chanel. She was in all of these, you know, designers that she probably, I think everybody was expecting her to be just like this Versace blow up, doll essentially this yeah situation Sex pod. right yeah. right but what she's been in before which made everybody just you know their jaws drop and what's going on here and and i think she wanted to do something different so and isn't the whole point of a magazine cover to be about aspiration and fantasy yes. and bring you something different like yoda you were i think so. a lore magazine yes and a lore magazine but right. But remember yeah. how Allure yes. really turns on its head. Every cover was like about creating this look of the celebrity that was very opposite what you expected. It was right. all about surprise and, and right. being unexpected. Well, some of the stories in the beginning when we started were now we came in 
it had been established for quite a time. But when we came in, uh, when I was working for Paul Cavaco, the creative director, we wanted to try, or his vision really was to make them feel comfortable, celebrities, but to also do something that was elegant. And in a way, be the launch pad to get them to Vogue. Because they mm. would go to a Condé Nast magazine and then they would go through like, this is what you could do. And then they usually ended up at Vogue. It's an so audition. It was. It was. <laughs> and, you know, it happened, I think, a lot with Kim Kardashian. Like, you know, I think a lot of the shoots that happened there were stripped down and made them, you know, just uh, strip away all of the stuff that has been done before. Right. And then also propel them to a career where, if not only Vogue, but to get a, a, a contract with a beauty company. Right. And so that they would have this kind of raw, you know, uh, canvas to work with and that they could do whatever they wanted to. Mm. And then, of course, it's such an honor, I assume, to get a contract where you only have to work, what, 10 days a year. For millions of dollars, right? Because <laughs> you get like two campaigns, what four campaigns, whatever it is, and you know, and and I just I just feel like um, sometimes celebrities want to do not what's expected all the time. It doesn't right. always have to be shock, smoke and mirrors, right? Right. But that's so, what makes the Grammys so fun—that shock right. value. Yes. So maybe she'll do that, but she may she may not. I think that she, you know, and Megan Thee Stallion is so smart. I mean, I don't know if you read just all of these stories about her and that, you know, she, well, she lost, I think, her mother and her aunt or her grandmother. Yeah. yeah. Very, uh, in the same year. Yeah. And, uh, right, and she's also a law student. I mean, she's got to believe. She just no. got her bachelor's. She just got her bachelor's last year. So, when does that happen? Yeah, she's very multi-layered human, which is what's so awesome. Yes. yes. And also, and I, like, you know, WAP. Like, I loved <laughs> WAP over the summer and beyond. And I have a feeling yes. you and I probably felt the same way. Like, I totally argued the fact that it was a completely feminist move. Yes. It was a completely feminist move. Yes. I loved it on every yes. level. Every level. Visually. Yep. Musically, everything. Her well, skin. Anyway. She's also wanted to be a makeup artist. So she usually does her own makeup. So yeah, she, really she does. Knows. And she has a line with um, Revlon, which is really good. She, just, she did a little collab. And yeah, she is. She is a spokesmodel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, See? well, that's mm -hmm. what it's about because it's a business. I mean, this is all about a business in the end. And, right. you know, right. and so as much as we want to think it's one other thing, it's a business. And I love the fact that all of these stars can propel themselves to do other things instead of just, you know, really being pigeonholed or whatever. Is that even an, does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, yeah, totally. Right? Now, right? what do you think, Sasha? Like I always Aww. loved all of your knowledge about the behind the scenes stuff. Like yeah. do designers like dress reality stars? What's the situation when, you know, obviously it's like Kim Kardashian has that relationship to wear all the vintage Gautier and, and all that stuff. Right, but like right. beyond that, it's like, are these designers 
dressing her? Like, are these designers paying for everything? I don't know now what the list is. I think a lot of people don't realize that designers have a list. They have a list of who they want and who they do not want. For many years, designers would not dress reality stars because they felt, I think this was reported, so I'm not even saying anything that's really secretive, but I think a lot of people actually in the end don't know this. But, you know, a lot of designers didn't want to ruin their chances being being worn by somebody who was not a reality star. You know, the reality stars in the end didn't really make, you know, bank for a designer. The movie stars at that time did. Everything's changed, though. You know, everything has changed. I mean, I look at my kids who are 18. Hello. And they, you know, they don't know who. I mean, they know who George Clooney is, but they really don't know his work. They don't care about. So everything has kind of shifted. But we still have the issues of, um, you know, There are celebrities who are paid to wear a designer on the red carpet. Not only are they paid, but everybody in the team is paid. So, you know, I know there was a lot of crazy chaos going on at uh, the uh, Golden Globes. And, you know, if you're not if you're not confident in what it is that you're doing, you did your own thing and you wore whoever you kind of wanted. But a lot of people were paid. A lot of stars on the red carpet for years. The big designers, let's just call them the big designers, will pay anything from, well, so one to two million for the celebrity. It's probably more now, a little bit more now for the celebrity to wear their dress. And what for the that year. gets you. Or for the event. Well, for the event. So wow, you have so many changes that you have to do for these. Well, so the parties have, you know, a lot of money has kind of gone down a little bit, but you know, the big designers sometimes have to pay for a jet to (laughs) get the celebrities to and from their shows. They have to pay to get their tailors from wherever country they're in. But you know, this is not really happening that much now because of COVID and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but there's so much they have to pay for the glam. They have to pay. You know, there's so much that has to get done. Mm. So you're looking at one to let's say one to five million dollars. I think they get paid to. Uh, now that could also be a lower. That could be a company that has a lot of money. That's not necessarily. Um, you know that. You know that's not necessarily a big designer. Right. So there's a lot of money. Wow. They're using it to dangle a carrot. So what does that do? So that gets you. So all you need is one picture, right? So they have 6,000 frames of this one outfit. And then that can be used forever. And every time. So, you know, you also have to look at the paparazzi budget because, you know, the what the paps are paid per picture. And then if you want to use that picture for the magazine or a website or whatever, you have to pay to use that picture. Right. And so, I mean, think about that for a second. So if one shot is used for every publication that there is, or every website that there is that pays, it's a lot Mm -hmm. of money. It's a lot of money. And that's why everyone (laughs) took a hit this year. Right. To this day, right. Today's like the anniversary. Mm -hmm. COVID when the shutdown happened. Yeah. So, 
you think about all that money that was lost, but now it starts up again. You know, it's going to start up again. Yes. So some people are paid. Some people are not paid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some designers pay. Some designers do not pay. And um, it's an interesting it's an interesting business. And, you know, again, it's all been reported. It's just that we have a whole new group of people that listen to your podcast or whatever. They have no clue that this happens in many ways. You try not to talk about it because it ruins the fantasy of the whole. Right. Right. Um, But don't worry, this is confidential here. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, but it happens. And uh, yeah. So, so when you do see a new designer on the red carpet, it is refreshing because you kind of, you get that, that how hard, how hard that was. And that really was, you know, that celebrity, that stylist um, really, you know, stepping behind this new designer and propelling them to the future. You know, mm-hmm. that, you know, that that's a that's a brave thing for the celebrity to do because it can be mocked forever. <laughs> and uh, or and or it's and it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing when these things are organic. I mean, there's so many you know, there's so much that I miss about not knowing every single thing <laughs> about <laughs> everything. A lot of former us people do say they miss knowing everything about everything. Don't worry, we'll catch you up after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I miss, I miss, I love knowing everything, but I miss, I really miss not knowing everything. <laughs> I mean, I really right. just right. miss that somebody wore a Janssen bathing suit, which, you know, I found out, you know, that Stevie Nicks, like everything, because I spoke to her stylist when I wrote my book, I wrote a book about styling and called Secrets of Stylists. When I was at Us Weekly, I wrote the book. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you know, I found out that Stevie Nicks, mostly from her stylist, Margie Kent, wore mostly Janssen bathing suits. You know, we were all racking our brains trying to figure out, you know, who is she wearing? Armani, blah, blah, you know, going nuts. And in fact, it was a bathing suit company that, you know, great stuff, you know, and then like every designer always used Stevie Nicks as an inspiration for some collection when they don't know what sure. to do. Right. So right, suddenly right. Everybody's like, you know, let's put some witches. Exactly. Yeah, let's put some, you know, it's the Stevie Nicks inspiration. And it's like, you know, cause when you, cause it was such a great look, Always, you know, mm-hmm. but it's funny that it was really just kind of, I think, whatever she had at her disposal that she could find walking down, you know, Hollywood Boulevard, finding this stuff. Well, and, ain't that know. bohemian, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, some of my favorite shoes ever were these yes. like and it was before the days of Yeezy. I want you all to know <laughs> I would buy these clear PVC oh. Sandals. I mean, it was like a, it had a strap across the front and just the heel. I bought them at Fredericks of Hollywood year after year after year. (laughs) They cost something like $16 and they would last, you know, for probably like a season or two, like a summer or two summers. And then I would just buy another pair, but it was before everybody wore those clear shoes. It's like, you know, I I was sort of on that page of Stevie Nicks and I, I feel good about that. You know, Hollywood Boulevard. There were like three places, trashy lingerie. Uh Yeah. I love trashy lingerie. Love Onyx and the PVC shoes from Fredericks. And you would go and you would get those. You'd make a story out of them. And then, (laughs) and then 
you know, the, then those people would find those things and then suddenly it was a line. You know, we can't let you go without touching on a hot topic, which mm. is the Royals. And of course, mm. Meghan Markle, Kate Middleton, Duchess Kate. We're this is a glam squad <laughs> podcast. We are dedicated right. to beauty and style. So we're not going to get into he said, she said, we're not going to get into the feud or the allegations. But what I do really want to talk about, and we'd love your opinion on, is their style. Because I mm-hmm. feel like when Megan first came on the scene, mm-hmm. Kate sort of stepped up her style. All of a sudden, she was wearing yes. Chloe handbags and like more designer stuff. It almost yes. felt like she was inspired by Megan's glamour, right? By J. Crew. <laughs> And then, and then, you know, no, it was what were those like British brands that Kate Middleton always wore? Like, well, so um, Mulberry, you know, well, Mulberry was the more stylish McQueen. ones, but I mean, like, they were yeah, lower well, McQueen, yes, for her like high style and wedding and temporally, right, she always right. wore, well, which I love temporally, I love Jenny Packham, but right. you know, when she would wear like those like beige leather pumps, right? Yeah, it like the kinds Reese. of boring, right? So, yeah. I don't know, what do you, do you have any thoughts about? What happens with these two? Is it like how sister-in-laws fight at a wedding? What bride hasn't made a bridesmaid cry or vice versa? Or how do you think it all played into it? Well, something definitely went down. And something always inevitably goes down when you're planning a wedding. I (laughs) fired my own bridesmaids because we couldn't agree on the jacket or whatever the hell it was. I couldn't deal with them. So I get it. And you know, I mean, bridezillas, I mean, they made what, uh, you know, say yes to the dress. I mean, they've made all of these shows <laughs> about the, you know, the, the crazy brides. And because you actually do lose your mind, you lose your <laughs> mind when you're planning because you have to because you have to just handle so much. And I'm sure that what happened was that there was a breaking point. You know, she could have just said beige she could have just said green and i'm sure somebody broke right (laughs) it didn't matter what was that because allegedly it was about the the flower girls dresses yeah so if you really think because okay so you know they made this whole big deal about it but if you really think about it you really had a front page news uh breaking news story about the flower girls which you know <laughs> what 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 it wasn't like the ivory it was the onion the ivory the cream was not the actual cream it was, it was a crew it was creme it was a crew it was creme brulee i mean come on and you know that it you know what it probably happened but it escalated into this thing and war War. Yeah. And I think that, of course, there was some rivalry. And of course, they both, you know, were concerned about each other and how they looked, where they went, who was dressing who, what were they wearing, how were they tailored. And and I think that they were, you know, thrust. I mean, I remember when I was at us, right? We were talking. Oh, I said, right, right. We were at um, we were talking about Kate Middleton day in, day out, criticizing, (laughs) applauding, you know, and then Megan went through it. And, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of that going on. But 
I mean, honestly, it is the least <laughs> of problems uh, in the world. It's the least of the problems. Uh, but don't you think world. it's don't you think it's because style is like self-expression and you're putting yourself out there? And then when yes. someone sort of poo-poos that, they clearly had more underlying issues, but that I think caused the breaking point for one of Probably. them, you know? Probably. They're she's saying who I am as a person, as expressed through my choice of brides of like yeah, flower girls dresses flower girls. is a piece of crap. Wait, I also want to ask Sasha, because I love asking her this. What are your favorite red carpet moments of all time? All time. From like when cameras were invented until last week. But like, is Cher one of them? Like, would you put Bob Mackie? Would you put feather headdresses? Can I say I have an, actually have a new favorite? And it's not something that a lot of people a person that not a lot of people know. I started to fall in love with this actress who's Hollywood royalty. She was with Jack Nicholson. Angelica Houston oh, yes. would wear these things that we didn't know what they were, but there was something that was so... Un well, she was also a model, so um, there was something that was so unbelievable about her style. So I was fixated recently on this look from the Golden Globes, because I was doing Golden Globe um, research for myself. And she wore this Fortuny. So Fortuny was this incredible designer in the 1920, early 1910, 1920s, 1930s. These pleated dresses, right? And that's what everybody kind of remembers um, that Fortuny was known for. So there's Angelica Houston, some black and white photo. I could barely see what the thing was. But, you know, when you study these pictures, you know, every centimeter, every millimeter of these pictures. Um, she wore this dress with this fur thing and some hat on her head. And I just thought, oh, my God, how great is that? So she has become my favorite. And why is because... Not only of that, but, but she wore all these great designers. She wore Halston and Halston, when Halston was on the red carpet, whether it was with, you know, Lauren Hutton, Liza Minnelli, whoever it was, really in the end, great American style. Mm -hmm. And so just thinking about that, I just felt like, you know, these women embodied this incredible, Margot Hemingway, you know, these, these incredible statuesque, no, I can't wear the same thing. I don't actually want to wear the same thing, but I admire the fact that I can take an idea from those looks and incorporate something into my life or at least have something to talk about when we ever get back to a cocktail party and I can say, Angelica Houston, and then somebody would be interested, maybe. And yes, or a lot I of people. Be. But also, away. you know, it's like you bring up such an interesting point, and I miss like being with you every day to be able to talk about these things because I would yeah, love your too. opinion on, you know, it's like style used to be about like affirmation and and transformation and like the way that you would interpret something. Yes. For your own personal style. And now I feel like influencer culture is just about copying. Everybody just copies everything. Yeah. Well, there's a yeah. lot of copying, but there's also, I mean, you know, I was very hard on all of this in the beginning with influencer, influencer culture. But I will say this. 
What I love is if I buy something, say it's like a white sneaker by Alexander McQueen or Stan Smith's or whatever the hell it is, I can just kind of plop that into the Google search and write white sneaker street style and get 90 million ideas of how to wear these sneakers when I have a situation where I can't figure it out. So there is something to yeah, be that's said awesome about the fact that you can just kind of do that and then you can copy the look or try to emulate the look. And I like that. That's a big thing for me to, that's a big step for me to admit. I have to, <laughs> I have to be honest because I was very hard on all of this in the beginning. I didn't like it. I didn't you were, like it. I, you're like, yeah. screw this front row. I hate yeah. them all. <laughs> yeah. I can't stand you guys. So I'm leaving the front row. Yeah. Right. No, you know, it wasn't even that they were like, you're not sitting in any row anymore. Because we're giving it to the Greek salad or whoever they're, whatever they're <laughs> you know, oh, you know, yes. seriously, I had like so many seats taken away by junior people that were um, part of the Greek salad. Uh, website, and just, you know, and and I didn't, and I didn't, and all my seats were taken. You know, I was going there for work. I wasn't going there for like a rock concert or take pictures of myself. Uh, I didn't even think of that. I should have thought about it a little bit harder. Yeah. You know, sometimes you remind me of Moira Rose in just the very, in just the very best way. All right, this Thank has you. been. So much fun. I have loved you, Sasha Chorna Morrison, uh. since that day when <laughs> I slid across the room on Audrey O'Day's old hair <laughs> accessories. And uh. you had to catch me. I almost oh. killed myself. Oh my God. Those were the God. days of shooting. I miss you guys. Well, you know, you yeah, reality stars. All right, you guys, this has been so much fun. I hope that you have learned as much as Trav and I have from one. <laughs> of the masters of the industry thank you thank you sasha and thank you so much for listening to this episode of glam squad confidential please come back next week for a new episode but until then you know what to do go to usmagazine.com slash stylish for more celebrity beauty and style tips and tricks all week long and until then stay gorgeous